Welcome to Book Me, Conversations with Writers, sponsored by Nimbus Publishing and Arts Nova Scotia. Today, our host, Costas Halabrezos, will be speaking with Leslie Crew. One of the great mysteries of human beings is the quality of resilience. With all the tragic accidents that can befall us in a lifetime, why is it that some of us are broken beyond repair by such events, but others survive and even thrive? In Leslie Crewe's latest novel, Beholden, we meet a cast of memorable characters. They all bear life's bruises, many real and profound, some imagined or even self-inflicted. But how they succeed or fail in dealing with those insults to their humanity is what makes for such fascinating reading. Leslie Crewe, welcome to Book Me. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. In Beholden, many relationships are kept secret from characters for years, and some potential relationships never evolve because people die suddenly. And that seems to leave characters wondering, you know, what if I'd known them, or what if I'd known them longer? But it also makes me wonder about your dedication for this book, For the Grandmother I Never Knew, Bridget O'Gorman. Yes, uh, that was my um, my dad's mother, and I never met her. She died before I was born, and she had a very tragic life. And there was a part of me that wanted to give her a better life. <laughs> so that's why I used her name, Bridie, uh, in the book. Um, I'll often do that. People that I don't know, like you say, or I've never met, or somebody who is important in the family, I just need them to live on in the pages of you know the story that I create, and that's what I did for her. You brought her to life. I know. And and I believe the character Eileen's last name is O'Gorman. Of course. Is it not? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, you're good. No, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah, no, I did that on purpose. Yeah. Each section of Beholden allows a key character to narrate what's happening from their point of view. Why was that important to you? Well, it's a difficult story. And because there are so many secrets in it and the story was so convoluted, you wouldn't do justice to it by only taking it from one person's point of view. So I had to use the four main characters and see their thoughts and how their lives transpired and how it affected other lives as they kind of went along. I, I wasn't sure what to do, to tell you the truth. I wasn't. I didn't want to write it in third person. Um, I just felt it was too intimate a story. I needed to be right, uh, you know, in the person's head. I wanted to get their side of things. And, and as you say, because of the secrecy, that that's the only way you can really get at that. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Because otherwise it would be too difficult to try to explain. And because it takes place over so many years. Now, Beholden does unfold from about, what, 1915 mm-hmm. into the 1970s. And, yes. And some of your characters illustrate the, the social price you pay for consciously not going along with community norms, no matter what the period is, it seems. Tell us about Nell, for instance. Well, Nell, she originally came into my mind, I wanted to write about a witch. (laughs) And then I realized, okay, that's probably not going to happen. (laughs) Um, But when when you think of a witch, you think of an outsider and somebody who's sort of ostracized from the rest of the community. And I thought, what would that be in a small town in the 20s and 30s? That would be a spinster. 
who doesn't behave like her neighbors, who doesn't have a man, who doesn't have a relationship, who actually is quite hostile to the people around her. And actually, at one point, we thought about uh, calling the book The Spinster on the Hill. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But there was way too many other characters involved for it to just concentrate on her. But uh, she's a lonely character. And the choices that she's made, the mistakes that she's made, have come back to haunt her and affect her whole life. But that's why I wanted her to be an outsider. Now, she's one of several characters uh, you create in Beholden who are each, I guess, difficult yes. in their own way. Yes. Thinking also of Mavis, the very self-absorbed doctor's wife. <laughs> Yet you manage to keep them from being one-dimensional. How, how do you tackle that challenge? Well, people are not just black and white. They're gray. You can, There are things about them that you can really despise, but... Essentially, there's always goodness in people, and often they behave the way they do because of their disappointment or their hurt. You need to see a full character. You can't just have somebody who's just an evil stepmother kind of thing. In the end, I needed Bridie to uh, have a nest full of wonderful women. I didn't want to throw Mavis away. I didn't want to throw uh, Patty away. They needed to come back into uh, Bridie's life as well. And I think we, we see that some of this bad behavior by characters is, is masking some yes. something that they're it's, it's a, not right in their life. Well, she and George didn't have a particularly good marriage, and she knew it, even though he told her that that wasn't true. But a woman knows if a man is in love with her, <laughs> you know, if they've been married for a long time. I felt badly for Mavis, and so I'm glad that I was able to redeem her in the end. Now, speaking of families, there there is a, a mythology that uh, the nuclear family of mom, dad, and the and the kids was pretty much universal in the 50s and 60s, mm-hmm. you know, the leave it to beaver model, and that only since then we've broadened our, uh, it sounds like they're talking about cars, our selection of models of family <laughs> to choose from, you know. Yeah. But in Beholden, we see many examples of, of uh, improvised, unconventional family relationships or household relationships in, in earlier eras. Tell us about some of those relationships. Uh, you wrote about and and how they arose. Well, I coming from a, a family that was uh, raised in small towns, often there wasn't a lot of social services for families back then. And if some tragedy happened in a family, it wasn't just the the mom or the dad that would had to take over. It would be relatives, the great aunt, the great uncle, the you know the great grandmother down the road that would have to take in relatives. So you'd get a mixed bag of people trying to take care of each other. Uh, that's all you had. And that's actually the lack of those kind of services uh, in, in some ways led to the disastrous uh, decision by Nell and George. See, I don't want to give them too much no, away. You're getting so close. <laughs> um, <laughs> they did things that probably they wouldn't, they shouldn't have done and wouldn't have done if they had had some help. And because their relationship was secret as well, see, it was very difficult. Oh, they yeah. couldn't go to family and ask. And of course, Nell didn't really, didn't have a family. She was by herself. Yeah, her parents had died. Her very, parents, very yes, early on. early on. And she was left basically alone in, in this small town. And I felt very badly for Nell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, our culture seems built on the notion of uh, soulmates, that there's this unique, perfect partner out there. And it drives some of these reality TV shows, you know, The Bachelor mm-hmm. and The Bachelorette. Mm-hmm. Several of your characters in Beholden think they found the person but they end up as star-crossed lovers. And you also touched on this notion of relative happiness when you wrote, Lexi finally knew the truth 
a woman can love more than one man. One was a moment in time, one was forever. What, what seems to attract you to this kind of conflict? Oh my gosh, I don't even remember that line. <laughs> That's so wonderful <laughs> that I wrote, what, 15 years ago? Yeah. Um, I'm just attracted to the idea of somebody meeting somebody very early on in your life and you know that that's that they're the one and that can lead to a lot of trouble like with Nell and George. And for for other people they they meet someone they they think they think that that's the one and, and it's just not. Some people and and some people in this book, you know, yes, there's someone they latched onto and had this strong relationship but I've heard certainly at my age a spouse dies and then they fetch up with someone they went out with or had a crush on in high school, you know? <laughs> they like always seem 50 to me. years afterwards well, see, or something. Well, you see, now that initial young attraction remains. It's very powerful, yeah. It does remain. You always remember your yeah, first love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think that I don't know, you can you can love more than one person. I just find it fascinating, the human heart, that you can either love one man or you can love two. And it just depends on the circumstance and where you need them and when you meet them in your life. Like I say, life is not black and white. It's shades of gray. And that is what makes uh, emotional um, relationships so powerful. In Beholden, we see many scenes set around uh, community rituals, you know, weddings, <laughs> funerals, Christmas, <laughs> high school proms, uh, and they crop up in your other books, too, mm-hmm. like Mary Mary. O- often they're seen through the eyes of very young characters. Why, why is this such fruitful territory for you? Well, because I love to write about ordinary moments. Our whole life is made up of ordinary moments. And when you think back on your life, there's very few times when you have something momentous happening. Most of your day is made up of going to have tea with your grandmother, uh, you know, going to prom, going to things that you you will remember. But they're not earth-shattering moments, but they accumulate and they, they make you who you are. Um, all these little moments, in, in especially in a small town, if you're in a small community, these are the best parts of life for me. These are the things that I like to, to write about. The cups of tea, the, the chatter, the being there for each other. I just enjoy the, I can say mundane. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> but I just enjoy the little rituals that we all have. Because when I think back on my life, these are the, the moments that I appreciate the most. Were moments with my grandmother are hearing stories, sitting around a kitchen table. I'm from Cape... Well, I live in Cape Breton now for over 40 years. This is what Cape Breton is to me. When I was a little girl from Montreal coming for the summer, I knew I would live in Cape Breton because of this wonderful place because I would just be brought into the kitchen table and my grandmother would tell me stories about the woman who hung out her clothes at midnight so that she would be the first one with her clothes out. (laughs) early in the morning. Like, you can't make stuff like that up. There's a character. I talk about it in my book, Kin. These are the little things. I gather all these little stories up, and these are what is special to me. When we talk about resilience, uh, the character of Bridie in your Mm -hmm. book, Beholden, really shines. Mm -hmm. Without giving away too much, what can you tell us about Bridie? I love Bridie. I wish I was her. She had a completely unorthodox life in one sense in that she was brought into a family but she was made aware that she wasn't exactly part of the family she was a bit of an outsider so when you think you don't belong that must be a very difficult um, 
thing to deal with. She knew she had her father and her, her mother, but she was always made to feel that maybe she was a little bit like the Cinderella in the family. But they were, because they weren't the biological mother no. or father. But she had a spirit, and she wouldn't let anybody um, put her down. Mm-hmm. And she was resilient, and I just so admire someone like that. Many people would know you as, or think of you, I think, as a, a great humor writer, and, and mm-hmm. you did get a nomination for a Leacock Award. Mm-hmm. But this this is quite mm-hmm. different. I mean, there's some actual violent acts in Beholden, uh, yes. mainly against women, yes. and, and and several times characters voice pretty murderous impulses right out loud uh, mm-hmm. to someone who's crossed them. Why, why is that so close to the surface, do you think? I think it is for most women. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I really, and if you think back to the age that we're talking about, a lot of these the f- characters in the book feel helpless, feel powerless, and uh, that rage is is underneath the surface all the time when you feel that somebody has uh, something over on you. I think it's just a human condition, myself. Now, I may have missed it, but I don't think I saw the word beholden anywhere except on the cover of the book. Is it in there? No. Ah. I purposely did that. (laughs) Good for you. Now, what are some of the ways, though, that characters feel beholden to other people or or courses of action? Sometimes it seems to me very wrong-headed, but they feel beholden to a person. Well, I don't think you can get through life without being beholden to everyone that you meet. It's not about saying owing people money (laughs) or anything like that. It's you cannot physically make it through life without people helping you. Um, And all of these characters were beholden to each other for one reason or another, and also for helping fix the past. Uh, For Nell, Bridie's very existence, she is beholden to her for teaching her that life can go on. All her life she thought her life was over. And this little girl comes along and teaches her that that's not true, that life can go on and then you can make something of yourself. I think Nell isolated herself. Nell was a prisoner after a while. I know she escaped into her own little world, but after a while she was a prisoner in that world. And then Bridie came along and showed her and with through her suffering, she didn't let it get her down. She just continued on and Nell learned some good lessons from her, and I wanted that. I wanted them to be able to teach each other. Like the the child that caused all the trouble, I wanted her to be the one that would bring Nell back to life. Really liberate her. Yes. One of your novels, Relative Happiness, became an award-winning film, and you wrote the screenplay for that. How how interested are you in pursuing that with Beholden or, or any of your other novels? Well, to write a movie script... Is to is like homework, <laughs> <laughs> so I probably wouldn't want to do it anytime soon. You have to you have to please a lot of people, the producer, the director, the script editor, the whatever. It's scary, and every word means something. When I write a novel, I'm just I just write it for myself. I free flow. I just you know do my thing. But you're aware when you're writing a movie script, this has to um, pass muster. For beholden to a lot of people. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. So I don't know if I would want to do that. I know the book Shoot Me has been optioned, and I, I would not want to do the screenplay for for that. Not that they would. They asked me, but yeah. I, I think I've I had my little experience, and that, that was lots of fun. <laughs> but I think I'll stick with novel writing. 
Well, Leslie Crew, thank you very much for joining me on Book Me. Oh, thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Leslie Crew is the author of Beholden, as well as such novels as Relative Happiness, Chloe Sparrow, and Mary Mary. Book Me is sponsored by Nimbus Publishing. It's produced by Robin Grant, and Lynn Fox is our technical doyen. I'm Costas Halavrezos. Now, let's go read. Let's go read.